Hello and welcome to episode 29 of the Two Indie Authors podcast with me, Robert Enright. And me, David B. Lyons. Uh, in today's main talking point, we are going to be joined by the super cute Kerry Lyons, who is a creative coach coming onto the show to talk about the mindset required to help you realize you can be a successful independent author. Kerry has worked with international best-selling authors, um, those working as creatives in Hollywood, musicians and music producers, as well as those who work in illustration at the very highest level. Her techniques for how creatives can be successful in the modern world will open your eyes. I promise you they will. And mm. um, they certainly opened my eyes. And I get the color super cute because I just happen to be married to her. Um, and yeah. she'll be along. She'll be up in my attic. Uh, I say my attic. It's our attic. And she will put me right on that. Um, very soon to join us on the show for the main talking point about how you can adjust your mindset to get the best creative career you mm. possibly can. Um, later in the show, Rob, we will be talking a mailbag question. I think this one is all about the craft of writing mm-hmm. your novels. And then um, fantastic author, first-time author, Yvonne Redding, will be here to answer the dreaded seven questions towards fantastic. the end of the show. But we will begin, as we always do, my good friend, by discussing the week that was. Big week for both of us, Rob. And both dropped the book this week, didn't we? Both the dropped the book this week. Back. Yes, we did. How did your lunch go? Uh, went really well, thank you. Uh, I already knew it was going to be the best one yet because of pre-orders. Um, ah, nice. It's, it's been really steady in sitting at number one in the hot new release on several Round categories. Of applause. Yeah, thank, thank you. Um, well done, Robert so Enright. Like nearly a week on and it's still number one. I put up a post on my social media. I shared it in the group. <clears throat> I don't know if you saw in the two um, indie authors group yeah in the two indie authors facebook group I, I shared a post with my on my personal facebook page uh, my author page about how it was ahead of two of the biggest names in the genre and their new releases and that they have been like one of them's backed by the second biggest publisher in the world and they were sitting second to my book on the new release thing as yes. like a kind of like a you know pumping people up saying you know we're indie authors you know it's not the same yeah. level as like Mark Dawson, you know, infiltrating WH Smiths and you know billboards <laughs> and stuff like that. But no, at the same time, you know, it goes to show what we can do, right? It's great to see that. Absolutely, that's a great example, Robert. You're, you, you've topped two big, big, multi-selling, uh, well-known branded authors uh, on those Amazon charts. Yeah, I've done that myself. Make sure you take a snapshot when that happens to you because uh, that's one for the portfolio. Uh, I remember. Yeah. Um, being a, Graham Norton was number two and number three in the Irish charts at one point, and I was number one. I made sure I was snapping, <laughs> snapping a screenshot of that. Um, but that's brilliant, and congratulations, Robert. You you're, you're really are knocking it out of the park. So every release you have now just gets bigger and bigger because you're just yeah. It's like you're ro- you're rolling a snowball, right? It's just yeah, growing and growing. Yeah, yeah each one's Amazing. picking I'm proud up. So of you, I've, buddy. I've, I've, thank you so much. I've already pre-ordered up the next book. And that's already starting to get pre-orders in as well. So it's just, like I said, it's just sort of snowball effect of it, which is 
fantastic. Um, I will say I, I agree with you. People should you should definitely take a snapshot of anything you you uh, do achieve, like charting wise or yeah, you know, anything that you see as a success or a milestone. Because it's always nice for your own little personal. You know, we we treat this like a business, David. But at the same time, we do need to tickle the ego, which we've said yes. a number of times. Yeah, and it's also Don't be afraid. It's absolutely a free marketing tool to share that mm-hmm. with like your Facebook group and your mailing list and stuff because you can bring them into it and get them involved in the journey, which is, I think, always really useful. Um, yeah. So that's been the majority of my week. I've done a couple of like admin tasks that I've put off for a little while. So um, when I revamped my A-plus content on Amazon uh, about a few months ago, um i only did it on the uk amazon marketplaces so i did oh, all right, the yeah. in, all the english speaking uh, marketplaces like us canada australia and that's quite a long mundane task cause you have to do them all again <laughs> and i've got quite yeah. a lot of books now so um so d- done all those things but yeah it's a it's been a nice a nice week um but how's your launch gone because this is you returning to betsy wasn't it 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 was yes. It, may I ask you a question before we get on to the bald one of the two in the orders? You say you have um, been playing around with A plus content over the last couple of months. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you share with listeners? Is there have you any data, anything that suggests it's making a difference, or is it? It's probably a little bit too early, Rob. Um, again, I I don't. There's no like. Uh, data that's intrinsically linked to a plus content there's no dashboards yeah. that you can you can link them to um however i, I you know i'll ask people i'll say people go and have a look at my any of my sam pope books because i've got uh, my a plus content on there yes and i just think it looks really professional and then yeah. if you see what the other bigger authors or the big published authors have in theirs you can see it, we always talk about you need to look indistinguishable from from those there so there's no actual hard data to it but again if you wrap it up in all the in all the presentation of what you're offering book wise i think it's it's something that you should be doing especially as it's free it doesn't cost anything yeah yeah and and again we mentioned the word branding every week Mm -hmm. a part of your brand it's 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 part of the aesthetic of when you go and look at a robert enright book you know you're you're getting just as good a sales page as you're getting on any book that Penguin Random House are publishing week on week out. So brilliant. Yeah, I'll keep an eye on that. It it is impossible to tell. um, You're not getting data that suggests the A-plus content is working for you, but given that you are continuing this steady incline of sales and you're even getting sales for books you haven't released yet now because they're on pre-order and linked in the back of your book, um, we know it's certainly not hindering you in any way. That's so, not hurting, no. Yeah, it's definitely not hurting. Um, yes, it was. Another, yeah, we both released books this week. My well, Mine was a novella, uh, which it took about a couple of months to write at the start of this year. Whatever happened next, it was a Betsy Blake, which is my biggest selling book sequel. Mm-hmm. So I already knew I had a fan base uh, ready to go on this. The problem was finding them, you know, because I've got a good email list, a healthy email list of a healthy Facebook following. It's just when I put a post out on Facebook to my, I think I've about 3,750 followers on Facebook, say, um, you know, I put a post out there, maybe 350 are seeing it, you know, 10%. So it's Mm -hmm. hard. So you got to, you know, I put a lot of teasing out there and a lot of 
announcements that this book was coming over the last couple of months uh, as well with my email newsletter i didn't just it wasn't just a one a month newsletter i was sort of hinting at this it up. For, for quite a while pumping it up so yeah it did very well and um, it, oh, it, well it got done. into the top the top 400 on amazon when i woke up this morning which is a nice um, figure to be in i didn't you, you're going to be angry at me i didn't really sort out my categories um in, come on in, do that when you pre-order I know, but you know, I have the very basic ones. It's a psychological thriller. It's, mm-hmm. it, it, there's some very basic ones, but I, I didn't put Irish crime, which is um, one I normally get number one in. Um, you sort of have to hit, and if you get into the top 500, you would probably get number one in Irish crime on Amazon. There or thereabouts, yep. depending on, on what's happening. I didn't do it this year, so I haven't um, got any orange tag, which I normally do uh, on release. In my own fault, but I I knew it was going to hit. It was going to sell maybe a thousand copies in the first couple of days, um, because I had that fan base ready for it. Yeah. So it has done that. It's now a case really of, and you'll notice well is I just got to keep driving people to the original Betsy Blake, and then. Well, yeah, there's no point on. marketing to that one. Yeah, because you want to get the new readers in on the. Exactly, how how yeah. long was did it? When when did you release Betsy Blake the first one? I know I wrote it in 2018. I don't think it came out till early 2019. So it's like four years. So you've had a lot four of books years. since then as well. So your writing yeah. has probably evolved as well. So it must, it has, it must yeah. be interesting for your readers. Yes. Yeah, it, it was an interesting one. And I am, I have announced now, I am, uh, again, influenced by you. I'm going to make this a little mini series. And thank you very much, Robert, for the inspiration. So yeah, it's a case of <laughs> like you with your first sample book, I'll be continuously driving people towards Betsy Blake. And I know that Betsy Blake sells because mm-hmm. I have lots of proof of that. So keep driving them to Betsy Blake and then hopefully they will um, take off. And buy. It's going to be a novella series. It could be six books. It could be 10. Uh, I just want to do, I want to sort of replicate if I can, inspired by you and others who write in series in this game. And we had a big series versus standalone mm-hmm. debate or discussion last week. Um, inspired by that, I'm going to do it. I'm going to spend the next year probably getting out as many novellas as I can. I think I can write oh, wow. them every two months. But I'll also at the same time be conceiving a brand new big novel idea that I, I, I want to run with whilst uh, writing screenplay. So lots of balls in play. Uh, which is the way I like it. And yeah, it's been a successful week for both of us. Well done, the two indie authors. Two indie authors. Right, David, today's talking point, we have a very special guest on the show, don't we? Very special. you alluded to. And I feel like you're probably in a better position to do the introduction than me. Oh, me? Okay, pressure on me this show. Um, right, well, we have the the cutest guest that we've had so far. Uh, she just happens to have really, really good taste in men as well. Kerry Lyme, thank you for giving us your time this morning. Hi. Yes, that's me. Hi. Mrs. David. <laughs> Mrs. David Lyons. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, well, I should say you're not on the show because you happen to be married to one of the two in the orators. You're on the show because you are a top quality creative coach top quality the best the yeah. best of the best sir um, the best of the best yeah. the, the maverick <laughs> of uh, creative coaches so um rather than me explaining what my wife does for a living um can you explain to our listeners who are all creatives they're all looking to make a dent 
in this independent author world. What is it you do and what brought you to uh, coaching creative people? Okay, so what I do ultimately is I help people typically who are in the creative realm, in the creative field, who are unfulfilled in what they want to do. Right. So they may be like super high achieving people, very much overachievers who also carry this pressure of, I am an overachiever. I have done really well. Therefore, I can't possibly change anything. But what's happening inside is they're dying inside because oh, they're not right. They're not following their true creative call. They're actually compromising on making their art because of the white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchal society that we all live in. You know, and it kind of it punishes us all. Right. So I help people who are in the creative space to make their art basically so that can be people who actually physically want to paint and it's it's in a very fine art capacity it could be people who are wanting to become illustrators it could be people who are wanting to make music and it can also be people who want to write write books write screenplays and yeah just let their inner artist out basically so I help people do that and that's kind of come via a wiggly kind of path. So my background is in the creative field. So I've been a designer and art director for 20 years. And I was that person that was like doing really well, but was like, this is not blowing my skirt. What is it that I want to do? Uh, and I So like your clients that you're talking about, you were yeah. one of those 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. So I walked that path and for whatever reason, my personality is quite tenacious and determined where I was just decided pretty much overnight, which David will remember. Um, I'm handing my mm-hmm. notes in tomorrow, babes, just so you know. I had her then. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, basically overnight I kind of decided – well, the question I asked myself was, if I lost my job tomorrow – what would I do to survive? And I was like, oh, I'll just go freelance. I'll be a freelance designer and I'd figure it out. So I was like, well, that's what I'm going to do then. I'm just going to be a freelance designer as of tomorrow or the next 30 days and like figure this out, figure it out, figure out what it is that I want to do. And I had a few different evolutions of my business, which David also was witness to. But I also came across coaching as a kind of modality, shall we say, and completely fell in love with it completely got addicted to the feeling of I really helped someone here like I really helped someone change their life and my path was very much going along the lines of helping people quit their job and start their businesses because that's what I'd done but then in the last kind of two years that creative pull in me was really pulling me back that I'd gone all uh-huh. in on all in on coaching and my creativity was then absent so it's now evolved into me kind of coming full circle with it and helping creative people who have slightly veered off their true path and I use all the tools that I've learned over the last five years coaching in helping creative people so you probably wanted a one sentence answer to that and I gave you a full TED talk but that's what you do when you ask me onto your podcast we love a t- we love a TED talk here on the two in the authors. Um, I, I shan't 
mansplain your business. But I will say that I was a journalist, a sports journalist, as you know, Rob, Mm. for about 17 years. And Kerry kept saying to me, well, what do you really want to do? And I thought, well, I, I want to be writing novels and screenplays. And then mm. she decided, well, that's what, you're, that's what you're going to do. And then she used the coaching techniques that she has learned and studied and is now an expert in herself to ensure that I was no longer writing sports articles for newspapers. I was writing fiction for a living. And that's how my career managed to explode. I used some of the techniques that Kerry taught me. And in fact, I think we should probably go uh, a little deeper into some of the techniques you use, Kerry, on some of your clients. So she's worked with international best-selling authors, Hello, <laughs> of which I am one. Um, she's worked with people in the music industry at the top level in Hollywood, at the top uh, illustrators working at the top, top field of illustration. So she, she's these are people who wanted to be better in the creative field and Kerry coached them along. So any of our listeners out there who feel they're not getting the best out of their creativity, you should contact Kerry or at least uh, visit her or follow her social medias. And we'll give you all the details towards the end of this interview. Thanks. <laughs> so, Kerry, I mean, that's, it's really fascinating. I think the, the fact that the whole business is almost born out of the experience you live of, of sitting there thinking you just didn't feel fulfilled, even though you had achieved, you didn't feel fulfilled. Mm. Um, and I think it's probably a feeling so many people get. I had that feeling. Um, and and I believe the whole part that you do with regards to getting people to unlock that creativity is is crucial. So obviously, David's just listed that like, you for different people from different industries. To go back to it, like what what are your steps to like kind of getting under the hood of someone's creativity? Because everyone's different. Mm-hmm. So as an example, what would you say to to a guy or a girl who are sitting at home? And they have half a novel written that is kept in a drawer and it's been locked away for the last two years because life has got in the way. What would you how would you tackle that? Yeah, well, first of all, yeah, great question. I just want to speak to like there's so many people unfulfilled thing. Like there's a YouGov YouGov poll that says only 17 percent of Brits love what they do. Right. So like 83 percent of Brits do not love what they do. And I think the, the wow. stats in America are like something like 20% aren't passionate or 20% are passionate about what they do. So like 80%. And that's just like US and UK, right? There's oh, yeah. a whole lot of other, other countries that are going through the same thing. But like for, for me, what I really want to say to someone who is in that place where they're like, they know it's in them, but they're not using it is to tell them that like, your creativity is so freaking urgent, I cannot tell you. It is an urgent, um, urgent requirement that you honour that because I am of the belief, I'm not like massively spiritual, but I'm of the belief that so much of the unrest and the unsettledness of the world that we live in, right? The world's kind of on fire. Let's not beat around the bush. A big, big part of that is because there is so much unfulfillment going on. There are so many people who are oppressed by, like we call it, uh-huh. like the the trilogy of oppression, right? The white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchal society that has been conditioned on us for centuries, right? There are so many people who are trapped within that, and if you can opt out of that, right? If you can find the courage within you to opt out of that and actually instead 
honor what your heart, your soul, your body, your entire instinct is yelling at you to fulfill, which is your inner artist child also. That's Uh what's in there going like, mama, papa, like, come out, let me play. (laughs) That's what's happening. Right. Your art is urgent because when you do that, not only are you then meeting a fundamental need that you have, you're also like, you're a gateway for other people to do the same, you know, in the same way that as much as like, David would be like, okay, you're going to quit your job, right, whatever. Me doing that allowed him to do that. And I'm mm-hmm. sure there are countless people, and in fact, in this very instance now, you both are doing the same, right? Because you allowed your artist out, you mm-hmm. are now opening that gateway for so many more people. And it's like such a missing part that people don't realize that it's not just about you it's about what that energetic shift means for us as humans as the planet and i am done with letting people wallow in their pity party of like i don't have time i don't have energy Uh you know granted yes life is real life happens we have to reprioritize and put other things first that are boring sometimes but when that's your all the time get help do think about it yeah and mm-hmm. make the change because you do want to you do not want to be that person on their deathbed saying i wish i could have would have should have i i had a novel in me once yes. yeah. yeah 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 and so many of those people but it's it's in the in the modern world given the technology that's you know just exploded onto humans in the past decade or so since we managed to put the internet in our bloody pockets um which is every encyclopedia that's ever been written is in our pockets now right mm-hmm. um it's easier now Kerry mm-hmm. isn't it than any human um generation have had before to be creative and set yourself up and find your audience, isn't it? So you can do this from home. You can write books from home. You can write music from home, paint your art from home, and then find your audience to sell it to them. It's easier now than ever. Yeah, as much as it's like, yes, the world is on fire and it feels very inferno-ish most days of the week, it's equally, we are in such an incredible time to be alive because the gatekeepers have just gone, right, they've just... We say that on the show yeah, often, the, yeah. The gatekeepers the gate, are dying, the gate, yeah. The gatekeepers are no longer having the stronghold that they once had, and the power is coming back to the people. So, like, we have to, have to, have to use that. And, yeah, we, I think we actually have a duty and responsibility too as well. It's not just a self-serving, I would love to do this with my life. It's it's a moral duty of the opportunities there. You've got to use it. You've got to take it. one-night-only one show that we are living, you know, no dress rehearsal. Yeah, I, no dress rehearsal. No dress rehearsal. I should say that the screenplay, Robert, about the Alex Ferguson book that we've spoken about on the show. Yeah. Um, we've had big interest from some big, big production companies and one of the biggest networks uh, in the world, actually. But Kerry is a proponent and a supporter of me not signing with any of the big companies and doing it independently. Mm. Like finding producers and, and, and maybe... Re- filming the first 10 minutes the opening 10 minutes of this show putting it on kickstarter and and generating the millions that we oh, will wow. need to actually really put it into production rather than just giving it away to one of the big companies so kerry's a big proponent of the independence that we preach about on this show but that that obviously kerry links into the i the creative the creativity right because if you if you hand that over to this studio you'd forego a lot of that 
creativity. Well, they don't just sat and written the book. Once it goes in the hands of a big company, they're going to pick it apart however they see fit. Mm-hmm. Right? So, that, and that's the beauty I mean, of self-publishing, right? That you just actually get to write your own start, middle, and end, and go. This is how I wanted it to read. This is how I wanted it to be perceived, yeah. and this is what I did. And let let the audience yeah. decide. So true. Yeah. 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 Big proponent. Yeah, we love the we we love the independence and the autonomy. Um, so, right, Kerry, let, let's say let's ask you this question: What are the biggest things that are holding people back from writing the books that they want to write, or the art that they want to create? What's holding them back? Then, given that you've just said there's never been a better time, but there are still people sitting on their hands. I think that there's kind of three main pieces. And annoyingly, they're all on this like unconscious level. So what I mean by that is they're really, really hard to shift just by like thinking, I want to shift this, right? And that's why we find ourselves being able to take a little bit of action, being able to put ourselves out there maybe a little bit and then being like, oh, retreating, right? And and pulling back. And that's because on an unconscious level, these kind of three pieces aren't there. So one is I find the clarity piece is a really big thing in that there is that lack of connection with where they want to take something. So it just it's all too easy to stay in the inaction, right? So when the clarity piece is missing, the action piece can't slot in. So right. if you can work on really connecting to like that inner instinct, that inner voice, that I, I mean, I, as a tool, I think kind of visualization and hypnosis are two really good tools to use to help strengthen that connection but that clarity piece is a big piece the what would I call it I guess the kind of perfectionism is another piece and that again is actually an unconscious coping mechanism rather than something that's like a virtue that we get to say like yeah I'm just perfectionist I just have to do everything so well I can't possibly put it out there until it's like amazing it's actually an unconscious coping mechanism that we have learned as kids and as kids it worked and it got us praise or it got us, you know, whatever we needed at the time. But then when it comes to your creative process, it is like, oh, it's, it's, it's paralysis, right? It's yeah. debilitating. So perfection is another piece. And then the belief and the identity of being an author, right? That's, that's the third piece. Cause when you don't, feel like an artist and like an author inside you're not behaving like an artist on the outside so it you're so right one of the biggest psychological pulls that um affected me kerry was when i was writing my first book i was still writing um articles for some newspapers and i was also trying to get a teaching qualification as a safety net robber you know mm. if the, if writing a book didn't work out to me but as soon as i started writing my first book a few chapters in kerry said you're an author uh-huh. what you're an author i'm not an author i've written two or three chapters no you right now are writing a book you're an author and yeah. i identified with being an author and then suddenly that mindset just totally shifted okay now i was even going to get a tattoo to remind myself every day that i am an author I, because the psychological shift not across the forehead but the, the five head that i have but, um just on my right hand or something just something subliminal that i would that that 
that advice that Kerry had given me would stick with me every day. It happened to stick with me, thankfully, without me having to get the tattoo. But it, that mind shift was huge for me. Yeah, because you then spent your days structuring how can I make sure I'm writing at some point in my day because that's what a writer does. You know, yeah. and if you're not so identifying as a writer, an author, an artist, you are identifying as an employee, as a parent, as everything else that you are. And you're not prioritizing it, right? You're not making time for it and nothing is then changing. Um, yeah. But actually, just to add a note, one of my clients who is a painting artist, she has a tattoo of a paintbrush on her Rodney Rood finger on the inside. Oh, she does. All like, oh, right. Like, that's what we need to do then. We need to get you a little pen or a little qwerty keyboard on the front of your quill <laughs> yeah quill nice yeah. quill yeah <laughs> but but it, i mean it's such a i mean that one there that example i mean all the the, the three barriers you were talking about there carry are are ones i have david and a few i've been through them mm-hmm. um yeah. when i was you know thinking about what i wanted to write and then i started writing and you have all the things like your imposter syndrome is everyone gonna like it all of those things but that moment when it shifts, like it did for you, David, is a momentous thing, isn't it? And it it underscores that you yeah. can be the best writer out there. You can have the best idea. But if your mind isn't – and this is all training, isn't it? It's all – you're born like that. Very, very few people are born with like the clarity and things like that, that you're talking about. So it's, yeah. it's being able to to understand that and – this is obviously where someone like yourself comes in, Kerry, is once you get beyond those and the mind shift, the mindset, the mindset shifts, it's easy to say. Yeah, sure, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure, I put my teeth in. But when the mindset shifts, that is when the idea then that the creativity starts getting unlocked and it starts mm-hmm. becoming more fruitful for the person. Um, so... Do you find that's most of your job, Kerry, is shifting 100%. the mindset, is getting... Yeah. It's very little. Yeah, you need to get people- it's, yeah, it's very little about, okay, so this is your creative process. Make, make sure you start doing this. I mean, there is a bit of that. Like, I'm very much an yeah. advocate for, like, morning pages, artist dates, things like that. But mm-hmm. on a far more powerful level, it is the mindset shift. So a lot of my work is around hypnosis and is around that unconscious change where people actually don't realise they're like... I feel like I really want to draw today or I feel like I really want to write today without even realising, ah, oh, this is the hypnosis doing its thing. And it right. comes as a really like gentle nervous system soothing, soothing I'm doing it now, soothing like yeah. transition. <laughs> Rob started it. Rob started it. <laughs> um, yeah, that is, it's just so beautiful to watch. And I've actually just wrapped up one of my three-month programmes now and I've just had all this feedback come back in. And these people who were just like, felt so far away from it and are now like practicing what they love to do on a consistent basis and they're just electrified energized feeling alive feeling like themselves and it's just that's yeah it must be so fulfilling for you it's so fulfilling and it's so frustrating and i know how quickly things can change when someone commits to it and how long people stay in the ambivalence because they're not committing to it so that's why I get my being a bonnet. Talking about the, <laughs> Sorry. the, um, um, <laughs> talk, talking Sorry. About the ambivalence, um, if, if we can get a little bit specific for our listenership here, right? Let's say we've got an author. He's written two books. 
she she's written two okay. books and <laughs> um, they haven't they haven't done as well as you know those two idiot authors that have the podcast that keep telling us they're selling thousands of books every week me and rob put our hands up um they're frustrated uh, only auntie sheila and uncle john has bought their books mm-hmm. They're frustrated. Their artist isn't screaming at them that they they need to be getting book three written. How could you, as a creative, how could you help that person? I think the answer is actually really simple. The answer is really simple in that that's creativity for you, right? Creativity is, I think Elizabeth Gilbert, who wrote Big Magic, she describes creativity as this like magical flaky goddess who just decides when she wants to dance with you and when she doesn't. So the game, yeah, I know the game is more like how can we start like courting this goddess? How can we like start, you know, arousing her a little bit and kind of like, yeah, dating her really, right? And it's it's doing a bit of homework into people you admire, whether that's in the publishing world as authors or in any, you know, mm-hmm. art craft and realising how – how squiggly the journey is supposed to be it's not linear you know and I think even Ed Sheeran talks about the stuff that he writes is awful and it comes out like this like brown sludge but the brown sludge has to come out for the water to begin to run clear at any point and the same was true for um what was the artist was it Picasso I think Picasso started like copying other artists work and his work was very traditional and then all of a sudden it was like this oh i'm gonna go this abstract way and it was like now he's obviously iconic for trailblazing a complete movement you know so it's that it's not about judging the individual it's or the individual works or progress it's about recognizing it's a journey and it's not it's not even about the outcome it's not about whether it's like a best-selling book it's about the enjoyment of writing you know the enjoyment uh-huh. of the self-expression yeah. the enjoyment of the creation of something that didn't exist that you made happen that is why you love doing it you don't love it because you like holding a book you do it because you love writing so let yourself write yeah. you know absolutely 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. i yeah my, my main mantra of what i do because i write action fiction is i just want to i just want to write action scenes that i would love to see or read myself Mm. And then I want to yeah. then topple the next one with a better one. That's like the, the creative challenge That's for me mm. is that. Yeah. And then the other high of that is how can I wrap that up in a really coherent story with like no gaps in it? So what, what's, yeah. you know, while, while David, your creativity might be, I want to hit someone with a killer twist and I want to weave in, I don't know, you might want to, like you want to weave in a political message or a message about media technology like you did with the America trilogy. There were your creative, like, bullet points that you wanted to hit. Very different to mine. But then we both still work Mm -hmm. as independent authors. So what you're saying, Echo, is is, is, it's a spot, isn't it? It's not about selling the book. Obviously, you know, you want to do that full-time and you want to make an income, you want to do that. But from the creativity side, we have very different goals, David and I. Mm. And this is why it's so important to be able to unlock that within you. Um, Yeah. And it's it's why, you know you know coaches exist and, and most of the people i know who want to get better at something get a coach and the people who usually then go on to become their coach are probably being coached themselves 
because yeah. they they already know actually i, I need this because like, i have a, a friend who's a pt and i wanted to start getting healthier back end of last year and i have a weekly catch up with him and he's given me all the stuff he has his own coach and he's like some yeah. shredded like my pt like a shredded dude who's like spot on with nutrition and everything but he's still got someone giving him advice and tips and guidance because he wants to continue to improve um so if we go around if we go back to authors as this is an indie author podcast what would be the three key things authors would need to focus on to begin to sort of make money or or make progress with their craft what would you say well there's actually three things three three key things that i teach in my group Mm -hmm. program and it actually it it 100 applies to authors and it applies to every creative pursuit the first Mm -hmm. one is this identity piece right it's really learning how to think feel and behave like an artist so you are putting in the time not just Mm -hmm. the time to create but the time to ideate right the time to not think and just be whether that's looking at a leaf or you know going for a walk or going for a run or whatever your tonic is right whatever you need to do to not like not be doing you need that creative space to like land on that genius right and to have those ideas and have those breakthroughs so the identity Mm -hmm. piece is really really key the second piece is about your style and you've both actually just described or rob you might have described both of your styles there but you are both successful in what you do because you have both whether intentionally or accidentally carved a style that is your type of writing that is your sweet spot that appeals to your audiences so whether the, whether this is a yeah like a painting or a book it's about allowing yourself that play process where you are kind of writing crappy stuff potentially but you are getting closer each and every time you're writing to finding what your secret source is you know nice. so having that style that is ownable and that is yours is how you make money and also, I think having that wider mission of where you want to go, what this is all for, is it because I just want to release one book or do I see this as, you know, you both have different strategies, right? Whether is this going to be like a series? Is this going to be like trilogy led? How do I want this to work in terms of being a creative business owner? Like how do I actually create this system to my create practice that makes it a viable business ultimately so there's the three pieces like it's the embodiment of being a writer the identity of a writer having a signature style that is yours and or developing a signature style that is yours and also the more strategic plan of where do I want to take this do I want it to be a side project do I want it to be my full-time thing and having a plan of how you're going to do that. So it's not just aimless, you know, clacking away on a keyboard, but you don't know what you're going to do with it. Because we yeah, know people like that, right, David? Tip. We have people in our circle of friends who've done yeah. exactly that. They've written all the books and they're just sat there collecting dust. Yeah. 
It really is. Uh, it, and the, especially tip number one there, identifying yourself as this creative person. If you don't believe it, nobody else is going to believe it. They really aren't. And it's such a great tip. I urge anybody um, who likes a, the cut of Kerry's jib uh, to follow her, particularly on Instagram. What's your handle on Instagram? Kerry Lyons Coach is where I live. Kerry Lions coach, you will get more somewhere else. After being hacked, you <laughs> had to go back again. I will say right now, Kerry, I absolutely adore your social media because I think every oh. post you put up is always some kind of cheeky expression or you pointing and then laughing or giggling and stuff like that. But your your social media game is incredibly strong. Really good. Oh, thank you. Appreciate that. Much to David's yeah, well, chagrin. <laughs> Well, sometimes I just hear the ceiling is shaking above me and I realise Terry's dancing again for an Instagram video. That might video. not be for Instagram. That might just be me having a bop. Let's just be real. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, I think we might let you get back to the dancing. Um, you're an absolute star. Thanks for giving us up a half an hour of your day. Um, I'll be down to make lunch in a bit. <laughs> thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Kerry. Thank you. Um, Kerry Lyons, thanks so much. You're welcome. Now, it's time for the mailbag, uh, Robert. Mm -hmm. This week, we have had a good question in from Danielle Waite uh, Mm -hmm. on our email. Danielle, thank you so much for getting in contact with us. She has a question around craft, Robert, uh, and particularly around dialogue. So she has asked us, any tips for making dialogue work? Uh, All of my characters seem to sound the same. And when I try to change it, I change it to something that sounds the same again. Uh, How can I give each character authentic dialogue um first things first we'll thank danielle for a question we always appreciate questions coming into the mailbag second piece of business is as everyone can tell i've been banned from singing the mailbag jingle yeah (laughs) Uh, david's not happy with my singing tens of thousands in lawsuits um but but to go to the question it's a fantastic question around dialogue um and my my tip would be to like don't cut corners that's one thing i did so what i mean by that is don't try to cut down a natural flow of speech between characters because you fear it might be too long does that make sense so yeah um mm-hmm. yeah your editor will be able to do that for you they look at your you pay an editor to look at your book with professional eyes there they've stepped away from it they will look at it clinically and if something is too long or doesn't work they will say fix this but it's not something you should be doing yourself like you shouldn't worry about that and i remember i i did that i think when i started writing i'd be like no this seems like this conversation is going on too long so i'll try and cut it down and then you end up and i doing your characters a disservice because the dialogue Mm -hmm. needs to sound um natural so if you're just always currently trying to get really zippy um you know back and forth dialogue all the time you know like a guy ritchie film there's a reason why yeah. guy ritchie films are their own genre because they're not very realistic like the way everyone goes back and forth with these zingers all the time so i just found just letting the characters talk if there's something they need to say just just let it come out and then if it goes on too far your editor will will step in and and say something about it um the only other little tip I'll have Dave before I pass over to you. Is I just say just stay consistent with the character. Um, yeah. So, you know, if they use a term like that ain't going to happen, and then later on in the book they say this isn't going to happen, 
it kind of does them a disservice. So you need to just always remember to just to stay consistent with them. Um, yeah. But they're the answers I had, David. I want to pass pass this one over to you because obviously you you lectured creative writing and you're a massive proponent for finding your voice as an author. So how does that for yeah. you fit into when it comes to dialogue? Yeah, um, it does. That was a great answer, uh, Robert. You keep passing these on to me because I was uh, a lecturer <laughs> once upon a time. But really, you you've sold a quarter of a million books, nearly. So um, you're just as experienced uh, mm-hmm. at answering these questions as I am. But yeah, great tips from from Rob there. Stay consistent. Don't lose that consistency. Uh, and yeah, don't cut corners. Great tips. I happen to, when I'm redrafting Danielle, there's always a draft that's just for voice and different voices of different characters. Uh-huh. Now, it's easy for me because I'm writing in POV, yes. in first-person point of view. So I go, okay, today I'm going into, you know, Sabrina's character. And, you know, I can, because it's inner monologue within her, I've, got, I've always got an authentic voice for each of my characters. But if you're writing in third-person omniscient and you've got different characters coming in and out of the narrative, um, if you're looking to how you can differentiate between each of those, well, as Robert said, each character will have a different voice. I would just ask you, Danielle, to go over your manuscript in another draft with each character in mind, thinking this is how she sounds or this is what, what he sounds like. And if you actually have a voice in your head of this is what the shopkeeper who comes in for two scenes has in my novel, she sounds like... Janice Battersby from Coronation Street or whatever the Battersby's <laughs> are in. You know, if you if you actually have a voice in your head, well then, as Robert suggested, that consistency, that will always be there. That will maintain, uh-huh. the consistency will maintain because you know the voice in your head. So if you hear it, Danielle, for every little character, it could be your protagonist, it could be your antagonist, it could be a peripheral character just comes in for a scene or two. If you have a voice in your head, well then when you're writing their dialogue, they will always sound consistent and they will have a consistent and unique voice. Okay, Robert, it is time for the seven questions. This week, I've lined up a great guest. You'll never guess where she's from. Uh, Probably Ireland. (laughs) She's from Ireland. She's from Ireland. I promise you she's from Ireland. Um, Yvonne Redding, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thanks for giving us a bit of time. Up the dubs, David. <laughs> Up the dubs. That's how we play it on this show. <laughs> uh, congratulations on the success of your book. Um, what's interesting about Yvonne, uh, uh, Rob, is that she has written a fantastic uh, non-fiction book. It's called Talk learn connect mm. and I talk about this book to us Yvonne it's it's a collection of interviews with an awful lot of um Irish celebrities right yes it is a mixture and I'll tell you a little bit first um because I I set up my business in 2020 so I'd be I'm a content creator and I only started it then because I was a full-time mum for nearly 20 years on my own a solo parent so I had to kind of wait oh, wow. until the kids were older 
but always educating myself, going to college and all uh, in, when I was at home. But 2020, I said, right, everyone's at home. They've nothing to do. I said, I'm going to start my copywriting business and try and network with loads of different people and try and connect that way with people because they had nothing to do. So I started, um, I designed a, a profile piece on people, the person behind the business, because I wanted, I love the storytelling side of business. Yeah. I love that. Why did people set that up? Where did the name come from? All that kind of thing. So I designed this five piece format um, profile, sent it off to loads of people. I said, I'm going for the ones that I, I really admire and I like. And they all said, yes, I was very lucky. And Amazing. they were all sitting on my website as a written piece. And I decided then last year that loads of people needed to read these stories because it was a real mix of leadership, of coaches. There's writers there that have went on to publish books and um, people who've had to pivot their careers in the pandemic, people who didn't survive the pandemic with their businesses. So there was something there for everybody and I wanted it to be in a book format. And that's why I decided to self-publish um, and make it into a book. Wow, it looks great and such a fantastic concept Thank and you. idea. Uh, it's been sell- it's been selling well for you. Yeah, it is. You know, and it's like you know yourselves, guys. When you self publish, it's all about you promoting it and the marketing, and that's yeah. the hard part. Writing it is easy. It's it's the afterwards that that's the struggle, isn't it? And getting it that's out it. there and but sales are good. I'll I'll go. To, you know, I think the book launch was definitely a, a big one for me in sales. All right, interesting. Okay, so well, well, let's get into it yeah. then. How you've you've published Talk, Learn, Connect, and some of the decisions you have made along the way. So, shall we hit Yvonne with the seven questions, Robert? Yeah, let's do it. I'll I will go first, Yvonne. I will ask you the first question. And question one is: Are you a full time author? I'm a full time writer. I'm not a full time author. <laughs> <laughs> and right. yes. the reason being for that is I'm a full-time mom first, a solo mom. So that has, that's always come first. But I've always been uh-huh. writing journals and writing in between and writing freelance articles for, the, you know, for papers and for online publications. So I would say I'm a full-time writer more than an author at the moment anyway. Brilliant. Uh, earning your living from the written word. I earn nice, my, yeah, content creation business. Like I do a lot of ghostwriting for different things. You know, I've written obituaries. Uh, I write elevator pitches. I help people write in competition entries. Like the con- oh, I love content it. creator has so many different hats. It's very interesting. Oh, I yeah. love it. I, I've done a lecture on um, how to become a full-time author. Yeah. And just to to go in the or to take the route that you've taken, which is to earn from the written word, whatever. So you've done obituaries, you know. I did a bit of journalism. So just if just continuously freelancing and doing yeah. that type of work will lead you in whatever direction you want to go to. You have the autonomy to write what you want to write. So congratulations on everything that's happening for you so far. If you don't mind on question two, we're going to lean in towards what you've done or the options you've chosen uh, with regards talk, learn, connect. Uh, did you go wide or exclusive with Amazon when you chose to publish this book? Yeah, I think I've done a bit of both um, in relation to the ebook would be exclusive. Um, we touched on this okay. just a few minutes Great. ago. So I'm still learning. Amazon is, is very complex. I did try and do it on myself, um, Dave and Rob, but I, I kind of, I've lost the will to live late last year. Oh, 
you know, and I think I needed maybe you guys last year to get me through all the little challenges I came across. And I just said, I've had enough. And I handed it over to somebody to help me and I got Amazon training. So, and I think that's definitely something that I'll touch on later about handing things to experts. If you can't do it, that's definitely been a challenge for me. Fascinating. Great answer. Okay, I'm interested to find out what you've been learning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah me too. I'm very, very interested in this. So I'm going to steam into question three, uh, yeah. Yvonne, which is name the one service you use as an indie author that you cannot do without. Now, I have to name three. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm finding everyone. Everyone can't nail this down to one. If I had to really pick one, it would have to be Word. I mean, I do everything on Word. Yeah. Um, Canva, right. I know you've spoken about this before with other guests. I adore Canva and I love it and I use it for Same. everything. Promotion, graphics, videos, presentations, everything. And it's worth paying the eleven ninety nine for the, the better subscription. Mm-hmm. It's worth every penny. And I love zoom as well of course yeah yeah they're, they're three real crucial tools aren't they i mean i need to do more on canva i'm very lazy with regards to that level of design i tend to pass it off to somebody in fiverr that i will spend i know i get that because well, uh, it is time consuming but i enjoy creating yeah. my own graphics and branding them and all myself yeah. same i yeah. do i do too yeah yeah. yeah, I'd like to do it myself because I would like to have a consistent sort of branding yeah. on it like you two have uh, when it comes to your uh, promoting and marketing. But yeah, Word as well is a great answer to that question because I guess we all probably start writing in Word. Do you still use Word, Rob? I do, yeah. I do. I still use Microsoft yeah, Word. Yeah. Yeah, and I love the idea. Yeah. I know, I think, I'm not sure whether Word does it, but Google Docs. So it, when I ghostwrite books or stuff for people, you know, the speech to text is a very handy tool as well, if I can pop that in there, you know, so it saves yeah. hours of transcribing by ear, by the audio, where you can just upload these new tools. And I, I think they're very, very handy for, for getting it up on Word. And then you can go through it and proofread it and fix all the errors and stuff. But that's a good, they are good Brilliant. tools. They are good tools, yeah. And it, it, I mean, this sounds a bit... Um, uh, a little bit poncy, but um, it's an art form, really, isn't it? Writing, so we all have to approach it our own yeah. way. Yeah, so we all have to find our voice and our writing rhythms uh, in certain ways. But yet, Word is just one of those great pieces of kit that's simple to use, yeah. and it, it, we all sort of learn how to use it, don't we? From the time we open a computer, so it's a great, great answer um, for the one service you really cannot do without. Yeah. Uh, we might move on now, Yvonne, to marketing. So question four is how do you market? How have you marketed your book? Okay, so because I gave up at Amazon and I was like, oh God. So I marketed my books through my platforms, particularly LinkedIn. And I think LinkedIn is very underutilized oh. by writers and people in general. Oh, yeah. I absolutely love it. And that's where I get most of my business, most of my sales sales and I really built up a good network of connections there maybe even a year two years before my book was published and that's a really really important point maybe down the line the next one of the questions is starting to to, you know get your social presence on, on social media start doing that even a year before your book is finished but i definitely use linkedin yeah. social media will be my biggest marketing tool and instagram you know each one is different and has different benefits we all know that there's demographics different demographics with each platform i don't probably use facebook enough 
Um, for ads, for I would use it for ads. Um, but I do feel yeah. I created my own platforms, much like yourself. I created a writer's platform, a video platform, where I it's called the writer's mindset. And I wanted to find out before I published my book, I wanted to find out, can you learn to be a writer or is it just something that's in you? You know, and I wanted to ask writers about that because I find that really interesting. Um, Great question. Because yeah. I think you can learn the niche and you can learn how to write. I, I learned journalism and I know how to write, but writing a book of 50,000 to 100,000 words, I don't think I could do that. So I think I'm more a short story person, a, a short story writer. So I created this yeah. writer's mindset and I picked writers and they all came on again. Again, they were doing nothing at home. It was great in, in, <laughs> in lockdown. So I interviewed loads of different people and all great answers. I learned so much from them guys. And they were my network. I was building my contacts without really knowing, you know, as well. And ideally, they're going to be your customers, aren't they? They're going to buy your book when you bring it out. So I did use that. My own, pl I created my own platform because I couldn't find one that I liked. So I created my own. Like, like what you did with this, you know, and you, you can do that. Yeah. And um, I love that. I really enjoy that. And I asked people for lots of shout outs. I mean, if I did it for them, I wanted it returned as well. You know, why not? Yeah. Um, another big one is attending writing events. Um, I go to as many as I can around the country. Um, I look, f yeah, I try. I've got two little kids, so I try and think of where I can bring them with me that I can go and meet the writers. Right. And I go out of my way to meet them. Um, so just to say hello and introduce myself. So there's lots of writing events going on at the moment and coming up. It's, I That's think it's right. good to get out there and network that way as well if you're a writer. Go and meet the people, meet these authors. Yeah, Rob and I were only discussing this last week. We're actually both quite bad at the networking and attending events. Oh, and it's something I have on my to do. That, that part I love. Yeah. Yeah, I need to get. Uh, we need to get good at that. I, I certainly. It's something I want to get good yeah. at because you know part of uh, my complaint or my only complaint really about this game is the isolation that I feel from just me and my laptop. As I live with my laptop, yeah. pretty much. No, I feel the same, um, Dave. So, I know yeah. I get that. I and I did. I still haven't met all the people that I interview, but I, I go out of my way to make sure to meet them face to face because I think it definitely yeah. builds up that connection even more. And you never know who they have connections with, who their contacts, you might need them. And, you know, there's a lot yep. of collaboration opportunities there as well with people when you meet them face to face. So what, what, what I'm hearing here is, is we need to take the two indie authors on the road, David. I think so. And I've been, I've been suggesting <laughs> one of the questions as well. We'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. I'm up for that. Fantastic. Um, that's a really, really, that's the first time anyone's mentioned LinkedIn uh, okay. on the podcast. Really? Yes. Oh. Yeah, first time. Yeah. And, um, and I think, you know, most of the people we speak to, uh, indie authors, they're, they're writing fiction. And as someone who, you know, I, went, I only went full time at the end of last year. And before that, I spent a lot of time on LinkedIn. You know, I yeah. had it on my phone and stuff like that because just for my corporate job and stuff like that, and I was I was quite active on there. Um, but I've never seen it as a as like a, a a place to sell books. So it's really it's a really interesting answer you've given there, especially as your book is more of a they like say it's a non fiction one. So maybe yeah. the audience there is is more mm. say available than people who are using Facebook for things that they like and you know their interests say. 
fascinating answers yeah, thank you as Yvonne said it's it's really about finding where exactly, yeah. your audience hang out socially online yeah, yeah. the community yeah. is different everywhere you know and you build your community like Facebook you've built a community there I've built up a, mm-hmm. a good network on, on LinkedIn if people people know me there now as the content angel I rebranded so if they know someone who wants nice. to write a book they send them to me and I'm starting to get people tagging me now on posts oh Yvonne does that Fantastic. so it's building right. up that now it did take a while don't get like it took nearly two years for people to know mm-hmm. now that's what i do but i'm telling you linkedin is a great platform and there's lots of writers there there's publishing companies there's everybody in that industry you just don't know and you don't know who's watching and lurking you know there's mm. always the lurkers isn't there yeah. so it's yeah. it's a definitely sure. a platform i would i would recommend to any client that i have to go on linkedin and set up a profile there great tip yeah wonderful tip um Question number five, what's the one thing you know now that you wish you knew from the outset? You can't do everything yourself. And that killed me to learn that. (laughs) I did. I came up, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think go to the experts who know what they're doing. Don't waste all that time trying to do things yourself. If you can't do it, just... I had to do it. I went to a design agency to finish my book. I was able to proofread and do the grammar and write it, but I couldn't do the formatting, you know, and the design part of it. I did my own cover as well because I was I, I knew what I wanted. So I think don't waste all that time. Just go to the experts. Look for people. There's lots of people in Ireland and England who are there. Use your people that you know and use your connections. Ask somebody, do you know somebody who'll do a cover for me? I think just go to the experts and save all that time, you know. Love that answer. Uh-huh. Love that answer. We preach about that often. It is an independent yeah. business, but that doesn't mean you have to do exactly. everything independently. Exactly. What do you, you want just- to, yeah. Yeah, every hole that you can find along the Indy Auto route, yeah. it can be filled by a service um, yeah. that's available out exactly. there. So, yeah, that's a great And all answer. mine were Irish. I well, use Irish businesses. So I kept it all here because I didn't need to. Nice. But there's so many, yeah. there's so many companies here. You'll find anyone you want here. And I do, I've used Fiverr too. Fiverr's great. You don't really need, I mean, yeah. there's people everywhere that will do all these things for you. Yeah, there really is. Yeah, there's an answer to everything. What What's that saying you used to have, Robert? Um, was it your wife drilled it into you about uh, not being able to master everything yourself? Uh, her advice to me, I put this up on social media, up on our Facebook group, is she goes, you can put your mind to anything, but you can't put your mind to everything. Exactly. Oh, I love that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. can. The, so wise, the wise words of That's Sophie it. Enright. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's a good title yes, for a book, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great character yeah. name. Um question six, uh then Yvonne, please, is what's the biggest frustration for you as an individual? Oh, how long have we got now for this now? <laughs> Being a self-published writer, I tell you, I'm a real champion for self-publishing and I have got some nice gigs in the national newspapers here and I'm I'm definitely gonna be writing a piece on self-publishing and the snobbery behind it because it drives me in pain. And I think the more traditional publishers and agents and festivals see the quality of self-published writers, 
it's the only way we have to educate them to see how the quality is amazing. I've seen some, I work with lots of yeah. authors who've self-published. I help them with their PR. They're writing incredible books and not being seen. Uh-huh. It drives me mad. The recognition isn't there yeah. that we want, that we should, that we deserve. And I think we put more work into our books than traditional book writers as well, because we have to do all the promotion, the marketing, the everything, you know? Yeah, fascinating. So just while you mentioned it there, Yvonne, mm. give us a brief synopsis of the PR you do for authors. Mm. Right. The very first thing I do, I'd have a lot. Of, I use my network for um, lots of my PR. I attend a lot of webinars and I meet lots of people. So me meeting these people is beneficial for my clients because uh, obviously I'm going to connect them with these people. So I have a lot of connections yeah. in the papers, like the Examiner, the Independent. I know a lot of writers. I know a lot of people in the industry, so I know where to. Oh, we must have a lot of friends in common, I you think and I. So. I know <laughs> I bet we people do. in front of. Do you know what I mean? So, and I think yeah. that that's gold in itself. Knowing where to go and where to put your genre and who to get in front of. You know. Um, so, do you have different packages for authors, Yvonne, on your? Yeah, I do. Website? I do. I have it. I have all my services on my website. Um, oh, lovely. And is that YvonneReddin.com? Yeah, and there's no G. It's R-E-D-D-I-N.com. YvonneReddin.com. Yeah. Lovely. So check it out, authors who are looking for uh, to extend the publicity yeah. for their books. Uh, definitely get in touch with Yvonne. So, well, that's amazing. She, she's got to the final question, Robert, with lots of great advice. Let's see uh, what advice she can give for the final question. Okay. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You've... you've, you've given a lot of really good insight uh today Yvonne so thank you well, so thank much you. um so uh, yeah I will give you the final question and that is what's the one piece of advice you would pass on to our listeners again I've more than one I'm sorry <laughs> 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 I think go and find like-minded writers in your Facebook groups in libraries you know library clubs podcast series get to know LinkedIn LinkedIn if anything out of this go on LinkedIn my good friends around me are all writers. A lot of them are writers. And I think writers understand writers and the challenges. They're good people to be around because your normal everyday friends won't get it, I think. So you need to have, yeah. find that community. Don't wait till your book is published as well to create a presence on social media. And I think start uh-huh. that even a year before and just pick two platforms maybe. You know, you don't have to be on everyone. You can you can just be on Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever ones you're happy, you know, you're comfortable with. Um, yeah. Because they're your customers. If you build that, you know, network there, they're your customers when your book is ready. So you're, you're, you're you know, you're thinking ahead. And I think say yes to every opportunity like this. Go on everything if you're asked. Don't be afraid. And... 100% have a book launch. A book launch is great, great for sales and great for, I got a lot of PR and um, opportunities came my way after my book launch. Great. Yeah. So yeah, you're, you're heavy on the networking yeah. and uh, and not just chaining yourself to a desk with a laptop. No, I was during the pandemic and I said, I have to go and meet these people I've been chatting with, I think. And it's definitely great. worked. I've got work from it. Um, you have to get out from behind the desk. You have to. You have to social. You have to interact. Yeah, yeah, you really do. Yvonne, great advice. Um, lots of that's the seven questions packed with great advice yeah, uh, for all our listeners. Really appreciate it. Do check out Yvonne's website, it's Yvonne Redden or E D D I N dot com. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Yvonne. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Two in the authors.
Well, David, it was lovely to speak to Yvonne there, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, another another cracking uh, in the author. I um, yeah loved her answers as I love uh, the answers in all uh, of our seven questions so far. In fact, you and I have a bit of an announcement about what our next show is going to be like, right? Yes, so our next show is actually going to be a slightly different format because you and I are going to take a nice long look at the seven questions and basically go a little bit further into what, what we want to achieve with them, some of the best answers we've had, and then just, I don't know, maybe look over the answers we gave uh, at the beginning of doing the podcast yeah, seven of months because, ago now. Yeah, seven months ago on episode one, you can get the answers to my seven questions. On episode two, mm-hmm. you can get the, the answer to Robert. So in our deep dive into seven questions next week, um, mm-hmm. and it's only a once off, we will we'll see if we still agree with the answers we gave Rob <laughs> seven months ago. And perhaps we may even have uh, something to elaborate on each of those seven cues for our listeners. I would also urge... Uh, our listeners, if you are interested in coming on uh, our show to for the seven questions feature, please join our Facebook group at the top of our Facebook group, which is called Two in the Authors Podcast. You will see a pinned post which allows you to apply to be on seven questions. It takes one minute to fill it out. We want as many of you to apply for that as possible. We are looking to book guests uh, for now up until uh, the summertime. Yeah, come on, be brave. Come and join us. Yeah. Um, but David, that brings us to an end of another show. We were joined by your wonderful wife, which was lovely. Yes. Um, yeah, she's, I do... she's now downstairs picking up our daughter <laughs> from school. <laughs> I do feel that actually um, she she just wanted to see what all the fun you were having. She was just checking up on you. <laughs> she was like, who's this Robert Enright guy? I got to meet yeah. him. That, that's why <laughs> she was on the show. It's a violent boy. <laughs> uh, but no, it was an absolute <laughs> pleasure to have her on. Um, absolutely fascinating and um, so yeah. wise in regards to understanding how to unlock that creativity so yeah um again yeah. extend our thanks to her from me and i will speak on behalf of all our listeners for that um, thank you rob david i believe you're off on holiday next week so i won't ask you what uh, you're up to yes i bet when we just told our listeners that we're having a seven questions deep dive they went yes and now really what they're finding out is we're actually being a bit lazy because we're both going on holiday next week we are and, not together um, because we won't be able to invite guests while we're on holiday, not together, that we're saving that for next year. Um, because we won't be able to have guests on with the seven questions, hence the reason that we're just going to do a special for our 30th episode yes. on the seven questions. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that next week, Rob. Uh, I'm off to Paris for a week, and then you're heading to? Menorca. Menorca for a week. So we will have some tans, hopefully, um, for our next, well, not the next one, because that's our special, but the one after that, if you tune into the little video that Rob puts on our Facebook group every week, you will see um, a very tanned two in the authors um, yeah, we'll in a couple of weeks. You sit under the shade, do you? You're one of them? No, I just don't. I just don't tan wildly well. <laughs> so a blotchy Rob and a slightly tanned bald Dave um, in two weeks. So what, I know you're going on holiday. What do you plan when you come back from holiday? Uh, book 12. That's the plan. Yes, that's Robert Enright. I love <laughs> How about it. Straight you, back into it. Um, yeah, I'm gonna start. I'm actually gonna start. I'm looking forward to writing the third book then in the series, which will be the, the second novella. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into it when I come home. Oh well, have a wonderful holiday, David. You too, my friend.
Dum 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 d